0: Hello and welcome to Living Strong, the flip side of adversity. I am Dr. Bearder Jackson, the CEO and creative behind Living Strong Consulting. I am so excited. I have been waiting for this conversation for actually months. We have been trying to orchestrate the calendars of these amazing women to have this wellness in marriage conversation. We are culminating our month theme of how to cultivate healthy relationships. We've talked about healthy relationships and networking in business. We have talked about healthy relationships and mental health with yourself. And now this conversation is one on how do we help ourselves, our husbands, um, our husbands. Be well. And I could not have a conversation around being well without my wow sisters. (laughs) Women of wellness are deep in the place. (laughs) And so we have a lot to talk about. So let me jump in and introduce to you who is in the conversation for today. First, she has actually been on the show before. If you remember, um, our uh, fueling the um, a thirsty soul, yes, 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 watering Watering a thirsty thirsty soul. soul was Lady Dale Sharp Lee's episode, and we got so much amazing feedback when you were on the show the first time. And so I said, let me let me ask her back <laughs> and bring some of her sisters mm-hmm. with her. So Lady Dale, I will remind you, is the CEO of Destined for Greatness Associates, an e- event planning business. She is also the CEO and executive director of a nonprofit 501c3 organization called Teaching to Change Lives Incorporated. The organization focuses on providing tools and resources and trainings that develop, equip, and prepare believers to engage in progressive and productive ministry. She has also been blessed with the responsibility of being the founder and organizer of WOW Women of Wellness. Through the guidance of the Holy Spirit, WOW has had numerous successful workshops, seminars, conferences and retreats since 2012. And the next scheduled conference will take place September 26th through the 29th of 2024. And I'm telling you, I believe it might already be sold out. But I, you know, you might want to try and get into the number. We anticipate that there will be more than 450 women from 18 states and 130 churches or faith-based organizations in the place. That is Lady Dale. Then we have Minister Erinissa Harris. Teaches the Word of God in a very real and honest and straightforward way. For those of you who are listening, you know this woman of God can preach, but she speaks the truth. Minister Harris believes that preaching should be practical, transparent, and contextual. Yet, she cautions preachers never to forget how far the Lord has brought them. Minister Harris works in ministry with her husband, Senior Pastor Marvin Harris, serving as Uh, Bible study teacher, and the church's minister of music. Minister Harris presently resides in Burlington Township, New Jersey, and is the proud parent um, that she parents with her husband as a blended family of five. And next, we have Reverend Kimberly A. Cole she serves as the executive pastor of First Baptist Church of Cresmont and is also the servant leader of the Women of Virtue Ministry. Her ministries outside of her home church include the Baptist Ministry Wives and Widows Union of Philadelphia and Vicinity, And she recently concluded her term as head of the Women's Auxiliary of the Suburban Baptist Association of Southern Pennsylvania. And she is also the chief financial officer of Precision Time Systems, where she has worked full time for 28 years. And Stephanie D. Austin, Austin Johnson. She met her husband in childhood. I love this. And they have been married uh, since 2004. She is the pre-college STEM program manager for the Community College of Philadelphia. And her home church is Mount Carmel Baptist Church. Well, I know you're saying with me, wow. Wow. (laughs) yes i'm excited i'm curious so ladies just can we do a quick check-in how many years of marriage is just around this virtual (laughs) this virtual table
2: lady dale well since 2006 august 26 2006.
1: oh so Mm -hmm. that
0: is what a lot of years She said a lot of years. But a lot of good years. Yes. A lot, lot of 16? good years. Was that 16? Is that 16? Yes. 16 yes. years. Okay. okay. We're going. Look, we count on our number. Uh-huh. 16. Five. So, uh, and I am 26 years. 26 awesome. years. Awesome. 25 years married. 25 <sighs> years married. Stephanie, how about you? 18.
3: 18. I'm the baby. Seven years.
0: Seven years. It's good. It's all good. So (laughs) from multiple perspectives, we are getting ready to have a conversation that um, I'm hoping women who are, um, even those who are seeking to be married, Mm -hmm. I believe that there's going to be words of wisdom and insight Um, And accountability that are Mm -hmm. going to come out of this conversation. And there's so much that I want to talk about. So let me get into my very first question. And it's set up from uh, recognizing that oftentimes people want to be married. They seek to be married. They Mm -hmm. strive to be married. They get upset when they're not married. But marriage requires a whole lot of work and commitment. And it is a gift that includes joy and laughter. It requires understanding and giving and forgiveness, partnership, compassion, consideration. It is a gift that is a reflection of God's love. So, but I want us to start off because our show is entitled flip side of adversity. I'd like us to just start off acknowledging what was a flip side moment in your marriage that you you felt God flip a thing. And anyone can any, anyone can start us off.
2: Well, I'll I'll get started. All right. Um, And
0: I was good until
2: you mentioned that flipper thing. (laughs) I went to, oh, yeah, you know, you want to be married and all of that. And then the the flip situation. Mm -hmm. And um, for my situation, this wasn't the first marriage, but it's definitely the last marriage. And I had been kind of single for a while and desired companionship. Don't know if I would have went right to I was looking to be married. But because of my relationship with the Lord, that the only way that I would be able to engage in the kind of relationship I was looking for is um, through marriage. And I I didn't have a problem in reference to following his instructions in reference to marriage. And so um, he gave me what I asked for. Um, He determined what that was going to look like. And the interesting thing for me, when I first got married to my husband, who I love dearly, you know, I was so excited. I had all of these thoughts and anticipation about how it was going to be. And shortly after we got married, it it wasn't what I thought it was supposed to be. I often tell my sisters, you know, the first couple of months, I felt like, you know, when you go to the store and you buy something and they put it in the bag and you go home and you look at it like, that's not what I bought. <laughs> you know, uh, that's not what I put in my bag. That's That's wait a minute, how did I end up with this? And I kept, you know, looking in the bag like, you know, how did I get this outfit? So I thought I could take all of my, you know, disgruntled feelings to the Lord. And he was going to say, yeah, they gave you the wrong thing. And, you know, I'm going to fix this. And no, but the Lord helped me to understand I gave you exactly what you asked for. Mm. And how dare you to come back to me and start to question what's in the bag that I gave to you based on what you asked for. And so that started my journey of really understanding what marriage was about. You know, a lot of times you think, you know, you find the person that, you know, you want to be with and the Lord honors it and all of that. But he helped me to understand the flip side was that he gave something to both of us, that he allowed the two of us to come together, that in bringing it together, we would be able to do what pleases him and we would be able to be effective partners in the ministry. He said, anything else you get out of it is just an extra. Mm -hmm. But that was the purpose. He said, you know, I designed marriage again to meet my expectations, not your expectations. And so if you say you love me and you desire to do what I want you to do, understand that marriage really is about me. Mm -hmm. And so that helped me to kind of, you know, flip my own script to say, wait a minute, I'm looking at this in the wrong way. And until I started really looking at it from his perspective, things never got the way it needed to be in my relationship. And so I often go back to part of the problems I was having. The Lord reminded me is that what you see in your husband is what I see in you.
0: Wow. So
2: if there's a problem, the problem's not really with him is with you. I'm allowing him to be a reflection of what I see. So if you want changes from him, then you have to change. Mm hmm. Yeah,
0: he flipped it, yes. the, the, flipped the table, the, the <laughs> cup, everything. I'm like, oh, okay, Jesus. So I, I want an opportunity for others to um, share, but you immediately went to a place that I know I had to sit in, in that if I wanted things to be different, In my marriage, instead of trying to manipulate, turn, Mm -hmm. try to fit, if he would just stop this, I had to stop that. And it actually was about Lord, fix my heart, help me desire more of you. And as I seek you, you will address the things in me Mm -hmm. and I will watch Things change around me, and and Amen. so you, yeah. Talk about that flip. It's not. It, sometimes we have our agenda gets flipped.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, Dr. Jackson. Oh, mm-hmm. go ahead, Stephanie. Okay. I'll go. Um, I think you you mentioned in my bio that I've I met my husband in childhoods. I've literally known my husband almost my entire life, and we've been in each other's lives for about thirty five years. So when we were we finally uh, got married in two thousand four, we were bona fide a adults. I had already had a daughter. We were thirty. Um, So we had a lot of um, historical baggage. I think that we brought to our marriage for uh, in reference to who we were as kids. You know, we met each other and we fell in love back then—the puppy, high school love, Central Girls High, that whole, all that. You know, that whole love story. Um, And I think for us, the flip, that at least for me, I had to reconcile the fact that the man I was married to was not the kid you know, that I was first enamored with when I was 14 years old, and I had to, you know, I had to appreciate our differences. We are extreme opposites from our complexion to the way we, you know, the way we view the world, and I think for me what happened was I I started to understand that our differences really plugged in, filled each other's holes, where I was deficient Uh, I am a planner. I'm very logical. I do step-by-step. My husband is very much a, okay, this isn't working. Let's flip really quick and let's pivot and do that. And initially, you know, I viewed his um, off-the-cuff type of approach as a lack of caring and preparation. But then I had to realize Mm -hmm. that the Lord sent him to me because I am such a planner and and following step-by-step-by-step. When my steps didn't work and my plans fell through, he was there with his way of viewing the world to say, Steph, it's not it's not the end of the world. We can, we can pivot really quickly and let's try it this way. So I think for me, that was kind of like a turning, not that we had a bad marriage, but that was a, a really um, important turning point for me in my effort to be a better wife was just to appreciate, you know, how different he is for me and how mm-hmm. much better of a person I am because of the differences that he has and how he helps me be the best version of myself I can be.
0: Amen. Yes, yes. Complement our um, our weaknesses or, or where we can absolutely grow, providing mm-hmm. us with the partner that is uh, <laughs> <that's> stretching.
4: <Amen. laughs> Kim, you were going to say something? I was going to say that my story mirrors Stephanie's so much. So my husband and I met in high school. And we went on the prom together. We were both central, though, not central and girls high. So <laughs> we went on the prom together. And um, fast forward the cliff notes. We, um, we had a daughter before we got married. Um, and there was time on, time off before we finally got married. My husband wasn't saved at the time. And so there was a point where I was taking both of our daughters. I'm going to church. I'm packing up the diaper bag and all these things and off to church. And he's off to play basketball on Sunday morning. And so I would pray, you know, I just want my husband to come to church with me. But my God, who is who does exceedingly and abundantly above all we can ask, think or imagine, uh, not only saved him in our living room one day while we were gone. Um, But then he went on to become a deacon and then a minister and now a pastor. And so, um, but that's not the flip side. So I know that initially when he got saved and he started going to church, I have a different maybe body of experience um, with Mm -hmm. Christ than he did. And I found that I found some pride in that. So the flip side was when God showed me that I was out of order mm-hmm. because God said, Do not be unevenly yoked. But it was His grace and mercy that worked it out anyway because I presumed upon his grace. Mm-hmm. And so the flip side was not that my husband got saved, but how I viewed that whole transaction. And as we then together started walking together with Christ and started um, really being serious about walking this walk, um, that's that was the flip. That was when everything kind of changed. And, and it wasn't, us trying to be better and just individually, but putting Christ in the center Mm. and that, and once you do that, that'll flip things. Yes. Mm -hmm.
0: Yes. Sometimes our pride can begin to sabotage or get in, Mm -hmm. in front of what God wants to actually happen and create an even more beautiful, beautiful thing than what we could have ever even imagined. Mm -hmm. Mr.
3: Aranissa? Yeah, I definitely need to come in on the pride conversation. Uh, It's funny how one thing is picking up off of the other. Certainly, um, my marriage delivered me from pharisaicalism, if that's a word. I am a recovering Pharisee. Certainly, certainly very prideful about my education and puffed up and well-versed and this and that. What marriage did for me was expose my narcissism, my arrogance, my know it all and certainly it was a humbling um, experience and still is every single day, which is, I guess it was the flip for me. Um, definitely, definitely reduced me to the least common denominator of any f- fraction, um, put both of my feet on the ground, helped me to meet myself um, just by being in this relationship. Marvin is extremely laid back, extremely humble, Very honest about who he is and who he's not. If you know my husband, you know that that is an exact description of him. And when we met one another, uh, we needed to go through a series of tests and trials in order for me to get a very even, you know, not think more highly of yourself than you ought to. So seven years later, I'm grateful for my relationship with him because it was the thing that absolutely has humbled me. Still got a way to go, but I'm grateful for the benefits and the beauty of marriage in that way. So that's how I flipped.
0: Amen. Amen. Humility, get, getting rid of pride, <laughs> getting rid of our agendas, really allowing us to um, put Christ a, as the example in the middle of the relationship. I'm curious, what what is something you, on this flip side of your experience, what is something that you love about being a wife. Oh, anybody? I
1: can I think um for me I find joy in um taking care of my family. I am 48 years old, but I love to cook for my family. I take pride in watching the, the news and making sure everyone's aware of the weather forecast. So my, my husband and I often joke, we joke with each other. We are a 1950s couple. We are that corny and that, you know, but, but I really do find joy in the role that I play in being the support to um, my my nuclear family, my extended family as well, but my nuclear family, my husband and my children, I find joy in their joy. And if I can be a part of, Uh, them living their life out to uh, the extent that God intended. And if I can help them along that path, I feel like I've I've succeeded in my purpose. Um, You know, as, as Aaron has said, we have wonderful professional accomplishments that we can, uh, that we can rely on. But the fact that we made those commitments to uh, those men in front of God and witnesses, and we honor that to be a help me to our, to our, to our husbands, I take pride in that. Um, And I tell women that uh, are in the process of getting married that if you do not want to be a support and if you cannot humble yourself, as Erinissa was saying, and just be a support to your husband and not want to lead your husband, then you don't need to be married because I don't feel like that's that's not my purpose in my husband's life. I don't need to be the leader. I'm the COO. I let him be the CEO. Uh, you know, so that, that's how we. That's how I look at that. But that's where I, I really do find pride in helping my family accomplish and live their lives the way that God intended them to. Mm,
0: That's important. That support being, uh, Mm -hmm. that that helped me. Yeah.
2: I think that's so critical in reference to why I love being a wife. I absolutely love it. And I think it's because who the Lord allowed me to be with. Um, I am absolutely married to my best friend. Um, We often joke about, we love each other's company. You know, we can't wait to kind of get home and just hang out with each other and talk about what's going on in the world and talk about the scripture and talk about real life. Um, It is such a joy because for me, because it's not the first marriage, sometimes you feel like, well, Lord, since I messed up, um, you know, I don't deserve a second chance. And he gave me mercy in reference to just, you know, who he is. It makes me emotional thinking about it. Um, because of how the Lord showed me how much he loves me through him. You know, I get to witness his love through my husband because he loves me unconditional. I don't have to worry about, you know, if um, he's going to um, always care for me. Um, He's going to always be looking out for my best interest. Um, I just, I know that because of just the depth of the love that we have for each other. And the fact that we have that depth of love for Christ, and that's the motivator in reference to our relationship, I mean, it can't get any better. I thought to myself, all the stuff I was doing before I got here and I thought was so big and so wonderful, oh my goodness, it just tops all of that. And he also gives us an opportunity to kind of live before our family, to show them what a healthy relationship looks like, a real one. Not It's not without, you know, disagreements and different things like that. But they can see how much we love each other and that the Lord would think enough of me to use me as an example of who he is as being a wife. I love it. I mean, I absolutely Love it. So, you know, can't get any better than
0: that. Anything else he does
2: now, Lord, I'm just That's grateful. <laughs> so if
0: That's I can crazy. just piggyback off of what you just said, Lady Dale, I think that for me, that has been something as we are now empty nesters. And it initially was very scary for me because I feel like I've heard horror stories of mm-hmm. once the children are gone, you look over and you're like, we've spent all these years talking about what they need. And can I talk, can I talk to you? Like, can we talk? <laughs> and um, what most recently as our daughters are now grown, that I have been blessed by is that they respect and love us, and has they are able to speak to and talk about us as parents, um, as husband and wife, and there is a respect. Uh, my my youngest daughter, her um, uh, her boyfriend, she has been able to express how her father has fathered her and how her mother has mothered and now mentors her. Mm -hmm. And I am so grateful for even with the ups and the downs, the legacy we have given our children as a pattern of what you deserve and what God Can provide for you. Amen. Yeah. That's good.
4: Again, with Stephanie, I feel like that's my soul sister there. I love the aspects of wifehood. I'd like to cook. I like to make a home for my family. I feel like, um, you know, every Sunday, the, the children come over, everyone comes over, the grandbaby and everything I cook. This is every Sunday. We have that kind of interaction. But I don't I like that stuff, but that's not the wife part that I like. I like being a wife to my husband. I love being a wife to my husband Amen. because I like how I love how he loves me.
0: Mm-hmm.
4: Um, He, I know that he take, I'm telling you, we take this walk seriously. And so when the Bible talks about dwelling with your wife and learning your wife and loving your wife, he takes that seriously. Um, We don't have mansions and, and yachts and all like that. But whatever it is that he has, if he has one. I have three-fourths of that one.
1: Amen. -hmm. Um,
4: And so, because there can be men who have lots of things, but they're stingy with it, and Mm -hmm. they don't want to give you any. So I'd rather have a man that doesn't have a lot, Mm -hmm. but would give it all to me than one who has it all and doesn't want to share. Amen. Mm -hmm. Um, And he's generous in that way in all things, not just material things. And so, though I love those aspects of being wife, mother, grandmother, I love that stuff. Um, I'm going to be big mama. I'm going to shuffle around the house. And, Come on, baby. Let me give you some going to do all that stuff. Um, but I love being a wife
3: to my husband.
0: Amen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. yeah. That's good
3: news. And anything? Oh, man, we got we only got a few minutes. No, I'm joking. Um, <laughs> no, really, I think uh, like, like the other ladies have said, I think it's important that women embrace, um, first of all, the biblical role. It is support. It is help. It is. You know, being there to kind of fill in the gaps and all of those things, but then God gives a uniqueness to every couple, right? So for several, I'm I'm up at five, six in the morning. I'm breakfast. I'm lunch. Dinner is tough for us because he's a new pastor. There's a whole lot to that. So what God has allowed us to enjoy is this partnership in ministry. Um, we're we're in that corridor. We're certainly in love. We date. We have fun. We we trip. We cut the fool. But something happens when we stand with each other on Sunday. I'm leading the worship in song. He's preaching or when we're sitting with a married couple or whatever. So we're enjoying that ministry companionship now Um, because, too, you're waiting for staff. God's got to staff us and send. So we've gotten extra close um, with keeping a schedule and figuring out. And we say, like, how do these mega churches do it? We got like 150, 200 people. And we can't find a moment. You know what I mean? So it's just (laughs) this journey of self-discovery. But watching God use my husband is major, especially when you know the backstory. I don't know if any wife can attest to this. When you watch what God has done in your spouse's life and you know all the, the low down and you know. And then to see God use them right in front of you, especially when people have counted them out. That is major. So I come, I got pom-poms, cheerleading skirts. I got my hair in pigtails. I have vowed to be my husband's cheerleader. He's always got an amen for me. He's always got a round of applause because that's what we're called to do, to support them and to love on them and encourage. And they do the same thing for us. So we're in that section of life and I enjoy it so much. along with all the other stuff that the women have spoken about.
0: Yes. And listen, you know what? You are... um almost there's a theme that I continue to hear in what you shared in recognizing um, the role that humility plays in in uh, being a wife. And you've already shared how, you know, your marriage has actually helped you deal with areas of pride. I'm mm-hmm. curious, in anyone else around the table, what is or has been the biggest struggle that's actually been within you that the Lord had to deal with that was a challenge in your marriage. And you needed to begin to recognize the stuff that needed to to be addressed within you. Control. Control. Control, oh, mm-hmm. control. She went straight for control. Control, okay.
3: I second that, sis.
2: Yeah, <laughs>
0: control. I want
4: it my way. Oh, just like this, every corner, just like this. And I'm also a partner uh, in ministry with my husband. I remember that that pride, control, kind of being a uh, being bedfellows, and so you know, maybe I counsel someone and said something to them. And they said, oh, thank you, no. And they go and talk to Pastor. And you know what Pastor said? He said, didn't I just (laughs) Just say that five minutes ago? But they are supposed to hear him in a different Mm -hmm. way than they hear me. That's That's the design. Mm -hmm. He's the pastor. Mm -hmm. And so it had to, it was adorning on me. And so, and I don't even know if I was mad about it, but just kind of incredulous, like, I just said that. (laughs) <laughs> um that's but real. that's what the design is and so if i if i stay in my stay in my lane because i have complimentary gifts just like stephanie said he's big vision um i'm the feet mm-hmm. and so babe you tell me what you want what Amen. you tell me what the vision is and then let's put this some feet to it and let's get this done mm-hmm. um and so we're if we're not competing yes yes and I'm not always trying to control the outcome, which is just a repeat—not just in marriage, just a repeat, a repetitive issue in life. Um, then it'll be okay.
0: Yeah, because control can can seep into a whole lot of things oh, in yeah. our lives.
2: Amen.
0: And as you said, it's a bedfellow with pride. Oh, Jesus! Yes, and I think not a, that. Oh, go ahead.
3: No good. go ahead, baby. And not only control, but. Um, the list goes on. But I think for me is speed. My husband is very methodical. He is a thinker. He is a critical thinker. I walk fast, talk fast, drive fast. I'm the one with the speeding tickets. Don't say nothing. Um, I'm <laughs> the one it. with
0: uh, okay, We're just I'm on international one. radio. Go, OK, talking. good. They
3: all pay. They all pay.
2: <laughs> but, um, they all,
3: I had to recognize, you know, when you get a little education, the Bible says knowledge puffs up. But love builds up. So I had a little education, knew the word a little bit. Very dogmatic, very, very focused. You, you, you hear me even when I, when I share. And in our marriage, Marvin said I walked around with a red pen, this, uh, mm. this corrector, and this. As I said before, very, very arrogant. But Marvin has taught. He has such a shepherd's heart. Uh, even in ministry, I would have canceled things and people just quick. put them down. Let's move on. But, but that, but that's why he's the pastor. I hear you, Kim because he's got a shepherd. <laughs> he, he taught me to see these are souls. The, this is not a business. This is not an organization. This is an organism. And so I learned grace through my marriage. I was very law. Now I'm gospel, if that makes sense, right? And so Amen. I've learned the grace of God in marriage and in ministry. And just his pace is very common. His pace saves us money, saves us <laughs> apologies. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So he has pumped my break and I'm so grateful to him, but here's the deal. I've also put some speed behind him. We got to move, you know, it's that Amen. balance thing that's going on. So a whole lot of things have flipped Since this is the flip side, it's amazing. It's amazing.
2: That Amen. balance is so important. Um, probably the biggest struggle for me, I think about I had been single for a while before we got married. And the first couple of years, I always sensed that he was a little standoffish and I couldn't figure out why until he kind of walked me through, you know, sometimes my way of doing things. And what I recognize is that I made room for him in the house, but not in my heart it's almost like, you know, I didn't really fully welcome him to be a part of my life. Because I think sometimes when you've been single, I've been, you know, um, a single mom and all of that, you have all of those what ifs within you. You don't kind of say it. Um, And I was glad to have companionship and all of that, but I was still operating as if I was single. So I was kind of just making space and, you know, he needed to check with me before he did. I didn't say that, but I behaved in such a way. And so I didn't realize that was my behavior. And so what I found out is that I was um, impacting him, giving his complete self to me because there was a level of trust because he sensed that I kind of was prepared for the what ifs. And so I I really had to fully trust God around. This is what I asked for. This is what you stated I can have. Um, And I'm in this, Lord, till you call me home. Mm-hmm. And so I really had to change my behaviors, all the things we talked about, the control, the humility, all of that. I'm a planner. I move fast, you know. All of that, I'm, you know, he's talking. I'm just waiting to respond. You know how that is. And I'm asking him what he thinks. And I really want to know what he thinks. But if it's too far off of what I'm thinking, <laughs> I got to help him to understand. We need to think <laughs> this way. You know how this is kind of what we do yeah, it's based on our journey. Yep. Um, but he was patient enough to help me with it. And he, and he did it in a nonverbal sense. I always sense something was wrong. And he didn't say it in the moment. He said it when it was the right time and I could hear it and I committed to working on it. And from that point going forward, we've learned how to say the hard things to each other in love and commit to kind of doing the work. So that was my struggle. You know, I was trying to be married and single at the same time, you know, in my
0: head. <laughs> Y'all are so holy. So I'm just going to put myself out there. So you get, get uh, Y'all are holy. That's why y'all are are here, because I (laughs) I need y'all as my balance. So we've been in 26 years. And um, so they have not all been glorious. Right. So there have been seasons in which uh, and I did not. It, it did something for me when I actually found out that there actually are trends and patterns. There really is a thing with the seven years. Like There really is a mm-hmm. thing where um, things can happen within a, a relationship. And when something would go wrong, I struggled to let it go. And over time, um, I am. I have a memory like an elephant. I can tell you what you had on, what you said, where you were standing in the room when you said, and run it all down. <laughs> and he was, and and he would be. He would have a place where I can't. I can't make a mistake because you are going to bring it back. Jeez. And so I had to get to a place where I really sat with forgiveness and recognized my lack of forgiveness was creating walls in our relationship that if I did not deal with it, we would not be able to not only stay married, we wouldn't like each other, there would be a bitterness in my heart that would change me. And so, recognizing how vitally important and freeing forgiveness has been for myself in my relationship, mm-hmm. and for my husband to to begin to real now there was a there's a point in time where he was gun shy because I told y'all I'm not I'm not as holy as y'all. There was a time when he was gun shy. Like, is she gonna bring is she gonna bring that back up again? And I had to really begin to deal with how I am forgiven and how dare I not forgive because he would not he would not bring my he would not he's that's not his personality. He wouldn't bring stuff back that I said. but I remember I could run everything down. <laughs> but forgiveness has done miraculous things for my health, for my mind, for our marriage, for peace, the whole gamut. And I Amen. think, oh, okay. oh, is that,
1: go ahead, Steph. Um, I think for me, it was a combination of grace and patience. Uh, as adults, when we, when we enter these relationships, we want a perfect picture. And Dr. Jackson, as you said, when you when you're trying to be as open and transparent in your marriage as possible, at least you know you try to be. When you when you touch on those uh, aspects of each other's character that are not as appealing as they could be, you have to allow some grace and patience for people to not necessarily change. Because I don't believe that you can. I don't believe adults really change. I think they adapt and they they Mm. they learn how to. Uh, You know, negotiate different situations in a better way. And I think you have I did not have the patience and the grace that was needed to allow those learning opportunities to come. Uh, My husband, as as you described yours, Dr. Jackson, he's literally the nicest person I know, probably outside of my daughter. My husband is an extremely, extremely just calm humble and nice man. You know, I just can't, I can't brag on my husband enough. He's an extremely nice man. And I often wonder like, why would God put me this firecracker who my husband used to call me Donald Duck because I would go from like zero to 60. And I would say, Lord, why would you do this to this nice man? Like what? But my husband said to me recently, he said, you needed grace and I needed to get a little tougher. You know, because he extends so much grace that I would often get mad, like, why are you letting these people like but he that's just the type of person he is and I had to learn to extend that grace to my husband like if you're going to extend grace to anyone it is that person you know that you have vowed to be with through 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 this life and you know and if you can't extend grace and allow for patience and and you know forgiveness as you said Dr. Jackson to this person then what are you doing so that was for me that was my struggle was just Amen. to acknowledge that I needed to give him grace and try and in his effort because he he continuously tries to be the best husband he can to me and I was not allowing and early in our marriage I just didn't allow for that grace to let him learn how to be the husband that he that I that I was looking for and that he was striving to be but as you said once you learn and you recognize that that is your issue that you're projecting on to him it made it a lot easier.
0: Amen. Wow. You just said something that resonated. And Ernest, I want to give you a chance to say what you were thinking. But you just said something that really resonated with me, that we are, that our husbands are trying to learn how to be mm-hmm. a good husband. Like they're trying to learn. So recognizing how important the gr- grace is yes. in that role, because we're also trying to learn. There's a learning process that there it doesn't just happen just on at the at the vows, but there actually is a learning process in the same way you would be patient with any other process of learning and development, mm-hmm. your marriage of all things, we should allow the space to actually learn and, and recognize, I'm I'm trying to figure this out. Can you give me room to do that? And so what would you get? What
3: were you getting ready to share? No, I mean, all of us are believers. This is marriage is a tale of two sinners, right? Uh, That that God is asked to become one and then he redeems us. And then the sanctification process begins. And we'll tell any theology class. We told the Bible study last night that sanctification takes a lifetime. Like it it never gets completed in this earth. We don't we don't take off corruption until we actually are standing before Christ. And so if it takes a light and, and we also said, pastor said something so powerful last night, we give ourselves all kind of patience. We gave ourselves 50 years to stop cussing and drinking or whatever we don't do. And we gave ourselves 20, we still giving ourselves time to lose this here weight. And we just giving up, we'll do it next year. Like we we're very patient. With ourselves, and we don't always Men. extend that um, to our spouses, but we're on this, we're on this wheel. But the good news is that he who began a good work, he will complete it. It may not be on our, our clocks or our times, or we always say, by now you should. And we learn from so many different settings, the should the should, you should, and by now, and these mile markers that we place on people is so, so dangerous. And I'll never stop saying this, the curb and the sewer are inches apart. Inches Amen. apart. And so we stand on the curb of life, you know, talking about how people should. And, and if the wind blows strong enough, we're right in the gutter that we said um our spouses ought to hurry up and get out of. So uh, it's 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 just this just stay low. That's my husband's motto. Just be humble, apologize often. We're he says in church, and I'm shutting up, we're all messy people doing life together.
0: Yes. Amen. Should Bill.
2: Yes. I love that
0: do <laughs> and we, <laughs> the curb and the gutter are only inches apart. That's a whole word by itself. I cannot believe that we are already only ten minutes away from the end of oh, well, our space. first episode. I know, I know, ladies. So I want to, I want to actually end this first episode. And yes, I got them in the studio. And this is going to be a two-parter. Oftentimes, people will share, oh, that was so good. You should have that guest back. I'm having them back. So not only are we talking this week, but you need to stay tuned for part two next week. I'll give you more information about that. But I uh, want us to encourage a woman because I, in in the work that I do, the everyday work that I do in working with uh, women in in career high um, profession professional careers who are feeling unseen and unloved, or things have happened in the COVID period where mm-hmm. I thought I married this per- and it. And I'm not feeling connected anymore. Mm-hmm. And therefore I'm having regrets. I would like each one of you to talk to the woman who is feeling discouraged right now. And she's like, should I just quit? Or what word of encouragement, um, refocusing, refocusing, would you share with the woman who's listening right now, she just logged in, say, okay, so what are they going to tell me? What would you say to the discouraged heart of a woman right now?
1: Um, I think for me, I would say continue to pray and listen for God's voice we can we can talk about our marriages and what works and what doesn't work but you have to lift your marriage up and your situation up and you have to be your ear has to be keen to the voice of God that's going to speak to you as to what your steps are everyone's next step is going to be different but you have to make sure that you can recognize God's voice as he will direct you because he will and just keep yourself and your marriage prayed up and it will work out
2: yes amen And I'll piggyback on what um, Stephanie said in reference to that. Part of what um, helped to keep me encouraged is that intimate conversation with the Lord and being honest with him. I think sometimes we forget, you know, that um, he is our father and he desires to hear from us. And sometimes, you know, when we are going through all the challenges that we can be our raggedy self and present it to the Lord and sit in it for a while to allow him to help us to recognize what's going on in us. So often there's so many things we're dealing with as women from um, physical changes as we get older, you know, that that's one piece of it. And then it's the emotional pieces sometimes depending on what you need to be and do with your family. And then we're, you know, when we work outside the home, we're challenged in reference to that as well. and just all of that, sometimes um, we don't know how to compartmentalize things. Um, I read a book one time that men are like waffles and women are like spaghetti. And um, it's so true in reference to the waffles where men can compartmentalize things and kind of have it in perspective. With us as women, it's all over the place. You know, everything (laughs) is together. And so sometimes we are discouraged and overwhelmed because we're just trying to deal with all of it. And it's taken me so long to be able to focus on what I need to focus on in the moment and sit and connect with the Lord and let him minister to me and then be listening as he uses other individuals, especially our mates. Because, you know, sometimes when we are feeling ourselves, Mm -hmm. we think our mate is the enemy. You know, we just no matter what they say is it's not right. It's, It's all of that. So sometimes just recognizing that's all going on in me Mm -hmm. um, and to know it's a moment and it's not my whole lifetime, you know, or maybe we have a moment of disagreement and it's not a whole lifetime. Now I'm going to throw away a whole relationship because now I remembered you said something 10 years ago that sounds like what you just said, just all of that. But I had to get honest with the Lord in reference to when all of that's going on in me to settle down to recognize that he will minister to me in those times of frustration and confusion. So during the pandemic, kind of the up and down side of that, I had that time. You know, mm-hmm. sometimes he showed me stuff I didn't wanna see and then that just created problems and all that other stuff. But you know what? Um, he was patient with me mm-hmm. and I sat long enough for him to minister to me. And so that helped me kind of move beyond just staying in discouragement. Having a moment there, but I didn't, I wasn't camping out and I wasn't moving into that discouragement house. I can kind of knock on the door and look in the window, but I don't live there.
0: Yes, I don't live there. Kim, we have four minutes left.
4: Ask God to show you and to show you all of it and be ready to see and hear what it is He has to show you. So that's going to take different skills to be able to do. So if you want Him to show you, what to do next, who you are in it, who you are going to become, who you are becoming, then you have to be still and quiet sometimes because you can't hear when you're talking. And so even though we go to God in prayer, we go to him in prayer and then we are silent before him so we can hear what it is that he has to say to us and he can show us. But the second part of that is to be in his word because you can't, you can't hear from him if you don't know how he speaks to you and you're sometimes we're hearing from the enemy. We're hearing from the world. We're hearing from our girlfriends, right? But God's voice you learn when you know his word and you know, his character and who he is. And so that show me piece is I'm going to lay before you. I'm going to listen. I'm going to expect for you to speak to me because that's what you do. Um, and so I'm standing in expectancy to what you want me to do now. And in the meantime, I'm, I have to wait. Yeah,
3: That's hard. Amen. Yes. Aaron, two minutes. Lord, two minutes. Uh, the preacher two minutes. <laughs> I know. I know. But seriously, a couple things. One, just the Bible says, lean not to your own understanding. There's a faith component to this. Um, and in the natural, one and one is two. But in the spirit, one and one could be 11. You have to listen for God's voice Um, as has already been said but certainly lean not to your own understanding god must be acknowledged but once he's been acknowledged he'll direct our paths accordingly i think um and definitely I, i also think too it is safe to have um as you listen for god's voice accountability and villages and wise counsel is also important because there's all kinds of trauma on the line uh We don't want to encourage a woman to stay in an abusive situation and just wait on God. There's all kinds of stuff. There's a gamut. Um, And so as you listen uh, for God's voice in the spirit, you certainly want an extra set of trained spiritual eyes on the matter that you trust um, to be a part of your decision-making process.
0: Amen. And you close it out just the way I wanted to, making sure that we also recognize the accountability, the wellness, therapy, support, as we absolutely are believers, um, also having a place of accountability to recognize um, what is well and healthy. Woo! This conversation has been good, so I'm I'm gonna tell you, we gonna keep talking. If you want to hear the rest of what we have to say, you're going to need to log in next week for part two. Yes, I got them in the studio, so I'm not going to let them just get away with only one hour. So right here, same time, same place, next week, on the flip side, finish out part two of The Well in a Healthy Marriage. We will see you next week. Amen.
1: Thank you for tuning in to Living Strong, the flip side of adversity. Please join your host, Dr. Veerdra Jackson, for another edition of our show next Thursday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time and 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have a great week.